Even if it's something that stretches us, even if it's, Father, something that, that maybe we're not sure about, Lord, that we would at least give you the opportunity to convince us by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Word. And so, Father, we thank you this morning that we have the Helper, we have the Holy Spirit who's come alongside us today to help us, to lead us and guide us into the truth that we need to know to move into the things that you have prepared for us. So we thank you for all that's going to take place, both during our time together this morning and all that it's going to unleash and release in our lives in the days ahead. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So I know I got you in Ephesians 3. Let me just talk to you for a moment. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18 that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. When we get over into the book of Ephesians, we find out that the church is not just an institution or a building where people go on Sundays, but that the church is actually referring to people. And he referred to the church, comma, which is his body in Ephesians chapter 1. And um, he went on to say that that church which is his body is the fullness of him, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Matter of fact, I'll put that one on the screen for you. It says, and he put all things, that's the first he there is God the Father. He put all things under his feet. The his feet there is speaking of, of um, Jesus, the Son of God, also God, amen. That God the Father put all things under God the Son's feet and gave God the Son to be head over all things to the church. This is where you and I get involved in this in this passage. And that church is his body. It's the body of Christ. He's the head and we're the individual members. And the Bible says that that body is the fullness of him, the fullness of Jesus, who fills all in all. Amen. Now, if we could simplify this this morning, I just want to remind you that not only are you in on this, but you're not, this is not just something big. This is the biggest thing there is. It doesn't get any bigger than God. I said it doesn't get any bigger than God. And you're in on it with Him. You're in on this thing with Him. Amen. You are a part of Him. And notice, it doesn't just say that Jesus is filling all things, but that the body of Jesus is the fullness of Him who is filling all things. In other words, he's using you to feel things. He's using you to, uh, how do we say this, dispense, uh, administer. There's a river of life flowing from the throne of God. It flows from God into you, and then he wants that river to flow through you into the world around you. Amen. Now, for the last two weeks, four sermons all together, the mystery the Fellowship of the Mystery, part one, two, three, and four. Um, it's what we've covered over these last two Sundays together. If you have not had a chance to listen to those messages yet, I'm asking you please to do that. We'll get you a hard copy on a CD. We, they're accessible through Vimeo. Um, and you can watch the recorded videos or you can listen to the audio versions, okay? And I'm asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done. I preach these sermons and I've listened to all of them, Okay. And I'm going to ask you to listen to them, please. Even if you were here for them, I'm going to ask you to listen to them. I ask you to listen to them carefully. Uh, even perhaps, you know, maybe take some notes. Um, because what the Holy Spirit is saying to us right now is the culmination of many things. It's, it's, it's what 
for that matter, it's, it's what creation itself exists for. Um, it serves, creation serves as a platform for the unfolding of this plan, um, this fellowship of the mystery. And so when we talk about this fellowship of the mystery, also conjoined with that is the manifold wisdom of God and how it relates to this fellowship. We said to understand these things is to understand God's intention for the creation of all things. And that would include you and me. Now, I know that I have already said to you that it's, it's, a, it's challenging to capture what the fellowship of the mystery is in just a phrase or a sentence or a statement. If we were going to sum it up with one word, and again, that would require some explaining, but if we were going to sum up the, the fellowship of the mystery and the manifold wisdom of God being unfolded by the church, um, that one word would be the word oneness. O-N-E-N-E-S-S, oneness. Oneness in the context of our being made one with God. Oneness. Now, as we've preached these last four sermons, we have unearthed some things and we have explained some things that we can then, with that background, condense down into a statement. Now, I know sometimes when I put these kinds of slides up, I see a lot of you take out your phone and take a picture of it. And so you, you may want to do that. It, it's, it's, a bit, it's a little bit wordy, but it's taken a lot of things and condensed them down um, into a couple of statements. And so uh, this is what it says. The fellowship of the mystery and the manifold wisdom of God to be unfolded and proven by the church, which is His body, is... And so here's the statement. An eternal, elaborate, and audacious plan birthed in the heart of God to increase himself and expand his glory by creating a being comparable to and compatible with himself and then give that being a choice to love him and be one with him. All right, I told you it was a little bit wordy there, all right? Whew. Okay, I'm going to read that to you again. What we're talking about here is an eternal, eternal, Elaborate. If something is elaborate, that means it's marked by intricate and excessive detail. Intricate and excessive detail. There are intricate and excessive details just where your individual life is concerned related to the fellowship of the mystery and the manifold grace of God being unfolded by the church to the powers of darkness. And what I mean by that is, when you look back at things in your life, specific details in your life that preserved your life and even led you to this moment of your life, it's no coincidence. It's no accident. I shared this on a Wednesday night. I want to share it again. He's sitting here on the front row. Drove from Decatur this morning to be here. Talking about my brother Aaron Brazil. The other day I got a call and, and uh, I was headed towards Concord and Long story short, they were working on the road here by the stadium. And, and so when I was coming back through, I made a mental note that I was going to go the other way. And, um, and when I got to, I think it's Hueytown, right, I was going to take a left, and I realized, well, that's just going to take me right back. 
In other words, I did, it didn't get me beyond the traffic block. And I said, well, I know a way I'll cut through the other way. So I was cutting through that way. Brother Terry, they had the whole roadblock that way. And so they were rerouting traffic, and so I took a left there at the stop sign. I didn't really know where I was going, but I figured with Siri and, and good sense, I could, you know, Holy Spirit helped me find my way out of there. Well, uh, a truck turned, and, and then a, a, a tree company truck turned. And as you would have it, they stopped about a half a block down that route. They stopped in the middle of the road and blocked it. If they had just pulled over a little bit, I could have got around them, got back to the church. And I was actually riding that day, which is something I, I really have to fight to make time for. And so I felt myself getting a little frustrated. And I said, you know what, these, these people are trying to do their job and they'll figure out in a minute they got the roadblock and they'll move it. And so, so a guy gets out and he looks me right in the eye and he just walks on past like I'm not even sitting there. So I'm like, you know, I kind of felt flesh kind of rising up a little bit, you know. And I'm like, am I really going to have to ask this guy to move his truck, you know? Then somebody gets out of the passenger side of that truck. And I instantly knew what it was all about. Because Brother Aaron Brazil was getting out of the passenger side of that truck. And we stood there. I think we both stood there. Or I was sitting in the truck. He walked up to the truck. We both cried that day. Talked about the good things of God that day. Talked about how good it was to see one another that day. And he said, I'm down from Decatur working, but I'm going to stay for church tonight. And he did. And it's just been a beautiful. So I'm just trying to show you. That's one God-ordained, God-heaven, angelically orchestrated detail, intricate detail, specific timing, that the Holy Spirit, through circumstances, put me on a road I've never been in, blocked by a truck that he was a passenger in, and God ordained it for us to see one another that day. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That's not an accident. That is but one detail, intricate detail, involving two of God's brothers, children, sons, that are destined to have the purposes of God prosper through their relationship. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So when we talk about an elaborate plan marked by intricate and excessive detail, I'm not, I'm not just talking about the details of Joseph happening upon somebody in the middle of nowhere that could tell him where his brothers were in the middle of the desert. That's one. And obviously that's a biblical experience. So we're not just talking about all the intricate details that we have in the Word of God. We're talking about, in addition to that, all of the intricate and excessive details involved in your life and in my life. I believe that no person in this room this morning is here by accident. No person in this room this morning is just coincidentally wandered in here. You're here by divine orchestration. You're here because the Holy Spirit has brought you here, led you here. Maybe it was He spoke to you. Maybe it was somebody else spoke to you. Maybe it was two different roads were blocked and this is the only place you had to park this morning. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, that's how the Holy Spirit works. And that's what we're talking about. And all of this is coming together to create, to form what we're talking about here, this plan. I already said eternal. But when we say eternal, 
that means it predates you, it predates the creation of this planet, and it also continues forward after time is no more counted on clock and calendar as it is today. In other words, this plan goes beyond the age of this earth as we know it. So it's an eternal plan. It's an elaborate plan. The Holy Spirit gave me this word a few weeks ago. Audacious plan. Now, I like the word. It's a cool word. I like words and I like that one, okay? It wasn't until this morning that he prompted me to look the word up. When I hear audacious, I thought outrageous. You know, it's just outrageous. Listen to what this word audacious means. Audacious is a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks. Extremely bold or daring. Recklessly brave. Fearless. Extremely original. Without restriction to prior ideas. Recklessly bold in defiance of convention. And then the last part of that definition, it speaks of actions that someone would take that others would consider to be offensive. Now we're going to get to the last part of that definition a little bit later on. But let me just mention here for a moment that this unfolding of the manifold wisdom of God by the church... What he's really talking about here, our oneness with God, our oneness with the Trinity, our being brought into and made one with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are so many people in the body of Christ today, when they hear this teaching, it is offensive to them. It it is unnerving. It is unsettling to them. Are you hearing me this morning? Do you know the Bible says that you're a God? Don't run. Listen. It's offensive. You say, yeah, that's just an Old Testament passage, Brother Mark. I mean, surely that's not what that meant. Well, when they were hot and heavy on Jesus because he said he's the Son of God, Jesus said, why in the world are you so upset with me When all I said was, I am the Son of God, and your own scriptural record says you are God's, and you know those scriptures can't be broken. So he confirmed that. Now, almost 18 years ago, we preached on this for a little while. Some of you were here for that. Or maybe I should say some of you stayed for that. Because there were a lot of people who became offended and let's just say followed us no more. So when we say the plan is audacious, one of the things that we need to realize is that when this plan really begins to unfold and it really uh, comes into view what it actually means, the potential here is for it to offend your religious traditions. The potential is here for God to offend you with what He believes to be true about you and what He created you to be and do in relationship to Him. More on that 
in the coming days. But let's go back to this definition because the plan is, again, eternal, elaborate, and audacious. One of the more popular songs on the radio over the last, I guess, couple of months now has been a song by Corey Asbury. It's called Reckless Love. Have y'all, have y'all, have y'all heard that song? Man, it's a good song. To be honest with you, when I first heard it, I didn't like the word reckless put in there. You know, and, and of course, if you ever hear him explain it, he, he uses the, the parable of the, the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go find the one. So obviously, if he's leaving 99 to go find the one, he's showing a recklessness in his love for the one to go and find that one. Are you, are you following? So that's, that's kind of the, how that song was, was birthed in uh, Corey's heart, Corey Asbury's heart. But when you look at this definition of audacious, a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks, the most surprising and boldest risk that would ever be taken second only to God creating us in the first place was Jesus coming to this earth, becoming one of us, allowing himself to be humiliated, beaten, tortured, and murdered by us, for us. I told you last week, when God sent Jesus to this earth, he went all in to see this plan come to pass. And so it's an audacious plan, one in which our Creator Father took surprisingly bold risks, extremely bold, daring, recklessly brave, fearless. This ought to tell you something about His nature. This ought to tell you something about His character. As a matter of fact, that parable of the lost sheep is a trifecta of parables, three parables, um, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son, intended to communicate to you and me the true heart of our Heavenly Father for us. And, And each one of those parables, in essence, ends the same. When that which was lost was found, there was tremendous celebration, tremendous rejoicing. Now, I want you to see also that an audacious plan would be one that's extremely original without restriction to prior ideas, recklessly bold in defiance of convention. Can I tell you you how we might say this? It ain't ever been done that way before. It's never been even thought of to do it that way before. This is the most original to the point that it's almost like shocking. It flies in the face of how we would do it if we were calling the shots. Right? Think about it. How, how do we, if we got, you know, uh, some issue in our lives that we're trying to resolve, we look for conventional wisdom. 
Conventional wisdom is how most people do it. How other people in a similar situation have resolved this issue in their lives, right? That's, that's what it means by uh, recklessly bold in defiance of convention. So the reason I'm spending some time on this is back to actions that are offensive. This is such an original idea. This, this is an idea that, that, that is so unlimited by prior ideas, one that so flies in the face of convention that when it's finally revealed, it causes men and angels alike to scratch their head and say, God, what are you thinking? God, what are you thinking? Now Peter says, said that's in essence that same thing. He says it's something that angels look at and long to understand. Because see, those same angels watched one-third of their hosts rebel against God and this fellowship of the mystery and the manifold grace, what God planned to do. Those same angelic hosts watched one-third of the angels fall with Lucifer. And there is not a single record of God ever even asking them if they want to try to work it out, make amends, and come back. But when God created Adam, and Adam also rebelled and turned his back on God, we see God reaching out. We see God protecting. God came right there in the garden and made him some clothes to wear because he was naked. We see God prophesying about His future. We see God beginning to reveal more and more of the plan. That this was not going to be the end. That there were going to be consequences because of the choice that Adam made. But God was going to stay committed to see the plan unfold. And that one day, a woman would bring forth a seed that would crush the head of the serpent. Then we see Jesus coming. Not just to try to work something out, but to take the blame and the punishment for every sin that ever has been or ever will be committed on planet earth and nail it to His cross to open the doorway back up for you and me to become one with God again, listen to me now, without any guarantee that a single person on this planet would take him up on his offer. If that's not audacious, what is it? Can you imagine like if we were on the committee and Jesus was like, look now, y'all been on earth a lot longer than me. This, let me tell you what we're thinking and you tell me what you think about it. We'd be like, man, that would, that would probably really help me, Jesus, but that, that's the most ridiculous thing ever if you're really planning on doing that. I mean, if people, has, if people 
haven't chosen God by now. I don't know what makes you think they're going to choose him if you die for them. I mean, if you consider Jesus, all this is going to do is make God look weak. I mean, have you taken into consideration Jesus? I mean, the conventional wisdom here is that if you're really a king, a king's not going to just lay down and allow himself to be slaughtered. Do you not think like if you fought that that would really set a better example? See, all that's conventional wisdom stuff, right? Jesus is like, no, we're we're going to be born of a virgin and people are going to question whether or not I'm even legitimate. And we're going to be raised in the worst part of town where nothing good's ever come. And we're going to hang out with the most uh, reprobate, um, lowest reputation people that there is. We, we're going to answer an altar call of repentance, although I've never sinned, to be baptized by John. We're going to confront the religious establishment and try to help them see the light rather than extend an olive branch and conform to their ways. Because they're taking advantage of people trying to come and worship my father, I'm going to turn over their money tables and clean house. I'm going to deliberately heal people on the Sabbath, knowing that it's going to make them even angrier with me instead of me waiting till Monday morning to do it. If we're on this committee, if we're his advisory council, It's an audacious plan, my friend. It's an audacious plan. I'm not just going to die. I'm going to allow them to beat me, put crown thorns on my head and mock me, strip me naked because sin stripped you naked. And then I'm going to allow them to beat me so that your body can be healed Even if a large percentage of my modern day ministers won't even preach healing from the pulpit, I'm still going to do that. You follow what I'm saying? All of this flies in the the face of conventional thinking. With, With, you know, as far as prior ideas. We're talking about an extremely original plan here. Let me say this and I'm going to move on. If at any point in your efforts to understand this, you think you figured it out based upon that's how you would have done it, you probably hadn't figured it out yet. If you think you figured out this plan and it fits with some kind of religious, traditional religious understanding of what it means to know God and live for Him, you you just keep digging, please, sister. You're not there yet. We're talking about a plan so reckless. We're talking about a plan that involves such surprisingly bold risks, so daring, so brave, so fearless, so original, so without limitations because it's never been done that way before. There's any proof it'll work. That's the other thing, see. Why do we do what other people have done? Because we want to know how it worked for them. Well, God's about to do something that's never been done before. Anybody else, we would say, about to try something that's never been tried before. But Yoda stole it from God. No such thing as try, do or do not. God doesn't try, he does. No matter how much it costs or how long it takes. Never been done before, but didn't stop God. 
the fellowship of the mystery. Now, in our review, we've talked about in the days, but we added a little bit to this, okay? The one thing God desires, doesn't have, and cannot create is love freely given from a willing heart by others comparable to and compatible with himself. Now, we talked about this part of it last Sunday evening. If you haven't had a chance, if you weren't here, you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet. The one thing God desires that he does not have and cannot create. I'm not trying to give you a riddle. I'm trying to reveal something to you about your existence, okay? It's why he created you and me the way he created us. He created you and me comparable to him and compatible with him. I'll explain it this way, okay? Does Colonel love me? Yes. Is it the same kind of love as the love Pam loves me with? No. Why? Because Colonel is not comparable to me. Nor is he compatible in the sense of what this word means. We get along. Compatible is more than just getting along. Okay? Are you following what I'm saying? Diesel fuel and regular gasoline are similar. But if you've got a car that runs on gasoline, don't put diesel in your tank. They're not compatible. Okay? All right. So the Holy Spirit prompted me yesterday cutting grass. We need to add a little bit to this because the one thing God desires doesn't have and can't create, love freely given from a willing heart. It's one thing for a puppy to love you. It's another thing for someone comparable to you and compatible with you to love you. So again, this statement helps us capture the essence of what God was trying to accomplish by this plan. Now, a key thought in all of this is this word choice. I know I've got you in Ephesians 3. This is taking a little longer than I envisioned it to take, okay? Are you still with me, please? Can we go for a few more minutes, please? I don't want you to, I, I'm, and I'm, I know I sometimes ask you that just to get a little response from you, make sure you're still out there and awake, but it's taken me a while to be able to read through this list without weeping, okay? And my prayer for a couple of weeks now, three weeks now, I guess, is that you would get this, amen. And, and this is a key portion of, of this teaching that I, I Amen. I really, really, really want you to, to lay hold of, okay? So a key word here is choice. Love that is forced is not a choice. Love that is manipulated is not really love, okay? In other words, if it's not love freely given from a willing heart, then it's not love. That's why it's the one thing God desires can't create, right, um, and doesn't have. Well, you say, Pastor Mark, there's people who, who love him on this earth. Yeah, but see, the love from your heart, if you withhold that from him, that's love he'll never receive because I can't love him for you and you can't love him for me. We can love him together. We can love him together. 
but I can't give him yours and you can't give him mine. Now, the, the good news on that is that means you have something to give him that nobody else ever will have or ever has had. All right, so... God created part of this audacious plan creates you with the ability to choose him or choose yourself. To live for him or to live for yourself. To love him or to love yourself. Now let's do this part right here, okay? This life is a training and proving ground. It is but a sliver of eternity but intended to determine so much. Now, I probably shouldn't have put this slide up there because you're probably already ahead of me. Just stay with me, okay? Some of the most important questions that we will ever answer are to be answered during this sliver of time called our life on planet Earth. The questions that Father is looking for us to answer are these. Who will choose God over self? Who will trust and believe? Who will love? Who will desire a relationship with God and make that relationship the most important thing in their life? Who will conform their life, their thinking and choices to live as one with God? Who will worship God? Who will fear God with a holy reverence? Who will serve God and others? Who will glorify God? Who will allow themselves to be glorified by God? Who will, by these choices, prove themselves to be worthy of the call to be one with God? My prayer for myself and my family and my family of faith and the people that I love and serve, I confess it over you, I hope you confess it over me, that he'll satisfy you with long life. And that you'll see his salvation. And if you along with me live to be 120 years old on this earth, There will come a day in our eternity together that our time on earth would be but a distant memory. At 51 years old, the memories of coming home when the street lights came on are starting to fade a little bit. And that's just not even 40 years ago. Listen to me, please. We're here to answer some questions. Our life and our existence here on this earth is meant to answer some questions. Who will love? Who will love God and who's going to love themselves? Who will choose Him? Who's going to choose themselves? Who's, who's going to serve and, and who's going to choose to be served? Who, who, who's, who's going to make a relationship with God the priority of their life? And, and who's going to choose other things and other people as that priority? 
I'm telling you, that's what this is about. I'm, I'm, if you've, I want to see, praise God. Those of you who weren't here last Sunday night, the Holy Spirit told me to sit right there and not get up till I was done and to not raise my voice. And I did it. I, it's a miracle I did it, but I did it. I felt like I was about to break this sound system right then. I want to holler. I want to climb up on the roof of this building and holler this, the top of my lungs. The devil will have you live your whole life and never know what this life is about and what factors into your eternity based upon what you do in this life. The lie of the devil is as long as you make it to heaven, everything's okay. My friend, thank God for making it into heaven. But please, please, please hear me. You have no idea what you're saying if you think that's all you're interested in. You have no idea. I have no idea. I just know that neither one of us have any idea what we mean by that. People say, well, pastor, there'll be no tears there. That is not what the Bible says. There will be tears in heaven, and the Bible says that God will dry them. Because there's going to be a lot of people shedding tears of regret when they get to heaven and realize what they could have been enjoying and what they could have accomplished and the people they could have helped and the numbers of people they could have brought with them if they had only been more serious about putting God first in their lives while they were here on this earth. This life is a proving ground and a training ground. It is, it is proving and training and preparing the body of Christ to be glorified together with Christ in heaven at the end of this age. Donald Ballard said something to me. Singers, musicians, come on, praise God. Donald Ballard said something to me after church last Sunday night. And... Uh, Yes, our brother always has such great comments, but he said this. He said, Pastor Mark, I preached in the jail this morning. Don't let the statement offend you. Just hear me out. You don't have to love God to be saved. You have to believe in Him to be saved. Right? A lot of people believe in God, called on the name of Jesus, received a free gift of salvation. That's where the relationship begins and that's where the growing and increasing in love with him and for him begins. Amen. You say, well, Pastor Mark, are you saying that if, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, um, I'm not going to be in heaven? I'm absolutely not saying that. Salvation is not based upon your performance or your works. It's based upon what, he done, what he's done for you, not what you do for him. But if you're born again, that ship's already sailed. We're talking about something completely different now. We're talking about the life that he created you to live and understanding what that looks like and your place in it. I'm going to read them. I'm not going to comment on a single one. I'm going to read them, then we're going to stand and pray. But Ephesians 3 and 17, listen to this. I'm sorry, verse, I said 17, verse 14. For this reason... I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory 
to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled, that you may be filled, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Stand with me, please. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we started this message by all taking a deep breath together. Lord, as we bring this time together to a conclusion, Lord, I thank you that we're just going to take another deep breath. Not just the physical one, Father. I pray that that this time we would breathe in the fresh air of heaven. Father, that the the promise and the potential and the glory of these things would fill our souls, fill our hearts. Father, for that one that's here this morning that's struggling in some area of life, Lord, how small, even serious things from earth seem when compared to your greatness and glory, Father. Help us to have the right perspective, Lord. Help us to truly see what this thing's all about. Father, that we would not waste our whole lives on silly endeavors that in light of eternity means so little compared to the greatness waiting to be revealed in each one of us. Thank you, Father, for your bold, risky, in world's terminology, reckless plan. We praise your holy name. We praise your holy name. Let's uh, let's worship him for a moment before we dismiss this morning.